This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, friends, welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines. On today's episode, Scott Levin, who is a data specialist and data journalist for MLive, is talking about the importance of data mapping in the age of COVID. What happened over the last 14 months and how important was it to use data to tell those stories? Today, I'm Behind the Headlines. As I said, our guest today, Scott Levin, and as always, my co-host, Vice President of Content for MLive, the one, the only, John Heiner. John, how are you? I got to tell you, Eric, if I had a tail, I'd wag it. That's how good things are. Everything's looking up. It is. It is for sure. <laughs> we, we just had a great story post this morning about you think everybody, you know, all getting vaccinated out back out in public is all happy and getting along. But, uh, <laughs> that's not happening yet. So Kumbaya is going to put that off. Well, for there's, a while. there's that we're doing that that foxtrot right now. Do I wear a mask? Is it not a mask? Is it this door? Is it that door? You know, so. Well, I'm a big fan of like paradoxes and, you know, conundrums and stuff, but we'll get to this. We're going to do a podcast on this. Trust me. I can't wait. The the people who are okay not to wear the mask are the ones who've always been wearing the mask anyways, because they got vaccinated. The ones who haven't never been wearing the mask aren't going to put one on, but now that they're not, anyways, (laughs) it's, uh, we're living in strange times, but we've been saying that a lot the last 14 months. Anyways, we are, this is a little bit of a pandemic uh, theme today because one of the things that came to the forefront right after the pandemic uh, broke in 2020 was this notion of essential workers who are behind the scenes, but you don't see them. They're like truck drivers, you know, who keep the toilet paper coming and uh, people who are still dicing the tomatoes at Taco Bell so we can, you know, (laughs) get something, a facsimile of eating out, but uh, you know, we have some of those people on our staff, too, who are unsung heroes behind the scenes who are. And of course, this is behind the headlines. So everybody we bring in on the show is a little bit behind the headlines. But uh, this today's guest uh, is somebody who works with our team across the entire spectrum, but does something that's been turned out to be very valuable to our readers and to understanding of COVID in Michigan. And I'd like to uh, welcome and introduce Scott Levin, a data specialist for MY Media Group content team. Hey now, thanks guys for having me on. I'm, uh, excited to do this. It's, we're excited to have you on because one thing I get to see that you know the public sees the front facing, the product of our work, the stories, the photos, the graphics, the packages we do. I, where I sit, we get to see what happens, you know, in the kitchen, uh, making the sausage to, to, to put it together. But one of the things, and I just referenced, has been most popular and useful for readers because we could see the data, we could see the stats, we could see what people are reading, we could see what people is causing people to subscribe to M Live, has been the work that you do 
with data mining, what we call data mining, which is gathering available data um, to support reporting, but also stands apart as its own kind of reporting and understanding a story. So just from the beginning, why don't you just give our, our listeners an introduction to what your job is, how you see your job, and it kind of the whole spectrum of how you get pulled into the work that MLive does. Okay. Um, well, uh, you just mentioned I'm a data specialist, but um, then you also touched on, I do consider myself a data reporter in the sense that in the same way a standard reporter would call someone and interview them, get some uh, facts or some quotes out of them. I'm basically grabbing spreadsheets and interviewing them, interviewing the data to see what uh, stands out, what trends, um, or just just straight how it visualizes, how it looks um, outside of Excel or outside of numbers and boxes and onto a map or onto something a little bit more uh, visual with a chart. And that's basically what my job has been for the last six years with MLive. Um, as you know, I was hired earlier to do data job on the uh, metric side. Before that, I was the reporter and an online editor uh, at the Anchorage Daily News. So I had a round, well-rounded experience in the metrics appealed to me because it was driving the digital uh, universe that we were still at the time in 2012, you know, making our way through. Uh, but the content side always uh, drew me in. I would even do some side projects during my metrics jobs. And uh, as, I, as I said, I started to take data that has increasingly over the years become more and more available and accessible. Uh, it used to be you'd have to FOIA something or call someone and beg them to send you something. Now, there are data sites uh, dedicated to Michigan, the United States, everywhere that are just flowing out data. And, but it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people until you can really take it, uh, decipher it, and translate it into a visual uh, element that they can sort of quickly understand and process. And um, we started with the, what you mentioned, Data Mine, which is a project that me and my partner, Julie Mack, a reporter uh, for the statewide team, did on everything from school counts, graduation rates, um, I, you know, mortgage rates, uh, house prices, um, all sorts of different topics that um, meant something to people at the local level, but also when you looked at it from a statewide angle, which is a benefit of MLive because we are a statewide organization, really tell a good story. Um, for the most part, I would take the data and translate it my way. Julie would write the content, the, the text and interpret what, I, what we were producing, but also back and forth, I'd write some stuff um, and she actually started getting really good at data crunching. And so that had been going on for five years and had been a pretty successful project and we were both getting our skills uh, set. <coughs> Unknowns that it was great preparation for the last year, which uh, as Corona hit, truly did become a data-driven uh, news story and has, a, has happened to be the biggest news story of, of a lifetime. And well, I'm gonna stop you right there for a second because we're gonna do a whole section just on COVID and what okay. COVID presented and what, what, what the, how important it was to get this stuff right because of all the other factors that were going on. But you said something, a couple of things that kind of fascinate me. One, I, you're, you worked in Alaska, which is always, I think, very exotic and cool. We'll talk about that sometime. Sure. But you, you mentioned that you, you feel like you're interviewing the data, uh, you know, like, like a reporter. I think that's really a cool angle. And, and if you could just expound on that a little bit, I'm just gonna tell you that as a kid, I used to like pour over, I would take box scores and then I would take, I would take baseball box scores and do my own stats. Cause it, to me, I saw trends in there, you know, I would see things that would tell me things that the, the, the stories didn't tell me. And so maybe I'm not like a brilliant mind, but I always saw th things in data that 
that were separate from what people were telling you facts were. So go ahead, tell me what you mean by interviewing the data. Um, well, by the way, I also had scrapbooks as a kid of box scores, but uh, another <laughs> oh, there's another down. whole podcast. <laughs> kind of got me into the papers in the first place. Um, no, um, I'm, uh, I've been in Michigan for 10 years, but I'm, you know, I, as of now, maybe I consider myself a true Michigander, but for the first five, I was very inexperienced about the uh, state, the, the demographics, the sort of the, uh, not only racial, but financial uh, hotspots, all this, uh, where the education was, all of it. So as I'm taking this data on these various topics, uh, I'm trying to figure out Michigan, uh, essentially. Uh, that was part of the uh, sort of the motivation behind the job. And uh, I would, I'd take a huge ream of data and I'd say, all right, where, where's the, you know, the, the lowest uh, house prices in the state, in the, in the county? Um, or where is the most insured? Or where are, where's the highest concentration of senior living? And those are the questions that I wanted to know. So I'd sort of formulate, or I wouldn't formulate, I'd take the data and crunch it, and then I'd answer those questions. And those would be the topics that we would do for the story. And there, there wasn't any sort of uh, deep uh, rocket science sort of analysis behind it. It was questions that I felt I cared about and that the readers would care about. And so those are the sort of uh, uh, angles that we would focus on once I was able to find the answer to my questions. But well, it's like you get aha moments, just like a reporter who's asking questions and an answer finally reveals something that was like, oh, yeah. But you see that as the data is emerging. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a process when I make a map where I take this huge amount of uh, data in Excel, I send it up my uh, software, uh, I do some drawing connecting to shape files and I publish it. And at that moment, all the colors hit of all the counties and you instantly see trends. You see what the middle northern uh, uh, lower peninsula looks like. You see what the UP looks like. You see the southeast uh, corner of the state. And these colors pop because they are uh, illustrating the trends that, I mean, there might be some you know, brilliant minds out there that can look at a spreadsheet and instantly spot it. But for me, those are the aha moments, you, the, the reveal, essentially. And then, right. and you, then you see the outliers, too. Yeah, exactly outliers and concentrations and all of it. And you start to get a story of, of where the data is driving Michigan. You, you can get a sense as a collective community, because that's what we do. People want to see the data of their own personal experience, but then they can step back and look at the entire state and say, oh, this is where I sit in my home state or in my country or the world or wherever. But know, like I, all good reporting, it, it provides insights and it challenges assumptions. Absolutely. And it gives you leads. To, to pull on the thread and maybe it goes nowhere or maybe you just tapped into something that even the people that put the data together didn't realize. And um, it's, that is actually uh, in a very geeky way, that's a super exciting moment. You, you nailed on the aha moment because once I click that, that sort of publish and everything visualizes, now I have a better, a fuller understanding of uh, what we're dealing with. So for those aha nope. moments, Scott, do you, as, as an artist in the data world, do you enjoy getting the data and then reverse engineering to a question or do you prefer having a question and seeking out the data to pull on the string you know it's both that's that's a good question about reverse engineering because there is uh, i don't come in with pre with assumptions I, and i don't mean that but like you get no, a data and you go okay this seems like a question to chase down no, but go. every story starts with a premise right a premise and um an idea and as i said in the beginning when i was so unfamiliar with michigan uh, I didn't have a lot of premises. Um, that's where Julie would come in because she's, you know, lived here forever and she knows practically everything. It seems every time I ask her a question, she's got an answer. But, uh, but yeah. So the premise, 
I don't like to reverse engineer too much because if I touch the data or if I, you know, add a value that didn't come from the data, I don't want to sort of stray off and maybe make an assumption that was wrong. But when I, when we get the premises and then we publish the data, um, that's the satisfying feeling because, uh, and, and it does, it challenges assumptions. We thought, you know, uh, you know, all of Wayne County was hyper rich with high prices, but it turns out that there are pockets inside it that the, the home prices are very low. And so that sort of uh, not only informs me and our readers, but it does, it does challenge a lot of assumptions. You, and then the last thing before I said, I wanted to pick a few things out that you're talking about is data mine itself. Um, yeah, COVID came along plus the election, which we mm -hmm. talked about yeah. as well, which I think some of the data reporting ended up being pretty essential um, to, for people to understand how things had changed from 2016 or even 2012, 2008. Um, but the data mine that you and Julie worked on for so long was a weekly, it was almost every single week of the year. Absolutely. We had to take a different data set. It could be, you know, uh, crime related, mm -hmm. you know, it could be state retirements, it could be school systems. And I'd see it on the, on the, the front end where the audience was reacting to that. Those things were just solid gold. I mean, yeah. you count on them, but there's something in there because it, you take that as a, and we, we have them all archived at our site, by the way. And I, I'll make sure to drop a link to that in my column this week. But um, you're looking at basically statistical genome of what it means to be a Michigander or live in Michigan. And, yep. you know, so how, how would you characterize that, that mosaic that you, that you had created? And you said it's been years, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we started it in 2000, I think, 14, 12. I'm not sure, but yeah, actually there's, yeah. Um, I mean, you I kind of, I don't want to repeat myself, but you basically nailed it. I mean, this is, in, as a whole, this is Michigan. Um, you know, individual data is great, but when you start to get the context of how everybody relates to each other, where things are hot, where cold, up and down. Um, I mean, yeah, you could, there's probably a hundred posts, if not more, uh, uh, data mines that are, and, and what's cool about them is that they're, they're annual and we revisit the same themes over and over. And so not only do you have a context of your neighbors today, but you can also see them yet last year and the year before. And thanks to archived data, you know, decades ago. Um, and it does, it tells a story. I don't know. I've often thought of this, like how could we in one package, in one piece, really encapsulate everything we've learned across all the different sectors um, that I think would be an interesting book uh, for some people. <laughs> and um, because it does, it tells the story of growth and progression and decline and everything that we're all living through. I mean, these are all topics that every, most people uh, at some point in their life have experienced at a deeply personal level. And so for the uninitiated who are gonna come out and look for this content, can you tell them though, and, and they can't manipulate the data, but they can sort no. of parse the data. Can yeah. you tell them how they're gonna see it presented on our site? Yeah, um, well, there's basically two general two formats. It's a map or it's a, a, a chart slash searchable database. So with the map, you get a map. If you've seen a map on MLive in the last 10 years, uh, more than likely I made it. And you just roll over your counties um, or your states or wherever I, I, I plot. And inside those pop-up windows is the, 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 the high level data of that package. And then we'll take it and if there's like columns and columns of data of different variables, different values, we'll put it in a searchable database, which allows you to type anything in that data, whether if it's a school system and you're looking for passing grades, you're looking for uh, true uh, truancy, anything, you can type your school, you can type the neighboring schools, 
and all of that data is is really accessible to you. And th so those are basic. And then of course the visual charts, the line graphs, the bar charts. Um, those are the things. If you see a big block of visual element, that's a data-driven project that I'm more than likely uh, work on. Uh, so, of anybody on our staff, or maybe Michigan, you can name the 83 counties and point to them on a map. I can. I can. <laughs> at this point, I will say that the first couple of years, I was like, "Where's Lake County? Why can't I find that quickly?" But at this point, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. <laughs> I think I do well at like a bar trivia contest for the final Jeopardy. I, I I'll have to remember that, Eric. He's on our bar trivia team. Oh, all nice. Right. For, Mich for Michigan County, for, that for Michigan, yes, for all of those yeah. bar trivia Michigan County nights that they do, yes. Well, uh, I have a I have a management maxim that I've come up with, um, <laughs> and that is facts and arguments. I mean, I've been in a lot of meetings over my career where people are are subjectively talking or anecdotally talking about what they think is happening, and then you show them some facts from data, mm -hmm. trended data, and it ends in it can end in an argument. Now that maxim didn't hold up to the Trump era. Well, <laughs> it was it was sort facts, of challenged. <laughs> facts. You know, facts have uh, kind of fallen into disrepair a little bit, but I think, you know, and the, the old saying too, that, you know, figures don't lie, but liars figure. I mean, everybody now is citing, everyone's an expert on the internet, but sure. how do you keep that pristine in your mind? Like the, the, the data is king and you're going to go in there and do it in a professionally objective way. How, how do you, how do you approach that? Well, there's two things. Uh, first of all, as I said earlier, I was a reporter for a long time, uh, mostly sports reporter, but general assignment for a while. And uh, the thing that bummed me out was the spin. There was just, even in sports world, of course, there's spin, 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 spin. And even when they're telling you things, you could see, you could feel that it wasn't uh, totally square. There's a certain, so when I got into data, I, I told myself that the data can't lie. Now it is true that ultimately whoever's entering the data, if they want, they can do whatever they want, but we'd probably find it. We'd probably notice it. It wouldn't square up. So when I get that data, I treat it uh, like, like the end all be all of the truth uh, in, in whatever form or whatever answer it can provide. I mean, it's just because it's data doesn't mean it's got the answer to the meaning of life. But, uh, and then I work really, really hard to not, uh, like I mentioned earlier, apply any extra calculation, any variable, any value that would possibly tilt to a bias or even tell a story that the data wasn't intended to tell. Um, there are some instances where we do do that. And I know when I talk about Corona, we'll do that later. But, um, and so as long as I get that, and you know, there's tons of cleanup. The worst part, not the worst part, but the ugly part of uh, data visualization is the cleanup of the spreadsheet, matching cities to towns, you know, getting rid of funky characters, uh, you know, even something as simple as removing all the commas from numbers so that uh, the SQL database doesn't uh, purge it or break it. But ultimately, what I do is I take someone's data and I just want to interpret it. I'm the interpreter. I'm, I'm not looking to, I'm not even really looking to tell my story and talk about presumptions, but I just want to interpret for the masses in a quick way what all this says. And if I don't touch it and if I don't uh, tinker with it or futz with it at all, uh, I feel very confident that even if I get a bunch of pushback and I've gotten a lot of stuff thrown my way, you know, data can say anything you want it to. Um, I feel confident that I'm not doing that. And that's basically what I have to stand on. You're listening to Behind the Headlines, an MLive podcast. I'm your host, John Heiner. I'm here with my co-host, Eric Hulkren. And today, our guest is data journalist, Scott Levin for MLive, talking about uh, what has become an increasingly important part of journalism and, and M Live's presentation of news in the state. 
we had uh, teased COVID a little bit, but you know, the data mine, as I said, and the way we use data had become uh, an essential part of telling stories, no, no less than you know, photos, video, any of that. But it seemed to, the stakes seemed to got, get raised uh, during COVID. First, it, it almost instantly became political. Um, and, and, but people, when, you're, when a state governor or agencies are setting guidelines based on statistical milestones, it becomes very, very important to know not only that the data is, you know, correct, but it, it is being interpreted properly, presented properly, timely fashion, and things of that nature. So let's just, I want to throw a softball to you and open it up. But how did your job change when COVID hit, both in frequency and, and the intensity of how you were brought to the forefront, um, just like all these other essential workers? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the frequency and intensity has been about a uh, multiple of 10. Um, I, had a, I, had a, I had a very, you know, there'd be some intense days, uh, some late nights, but my workload was never something I felt uh, overwhelming. Um, and then obviously, and the funny thing is, is probably people remember is uh, Biden won the Michigan uh, primary. Um, and then like five hours later, I remember my editor, uh, Shannon Murphy saying, we got our first reported COVID case. We got it, you know, and at that point, I mean, we hadn't even taken a breather and it was just like nonstop. And both of it was how important the story was, uh, how available the data was and how valuable what I was doing at the time I felt was that I just like, I mean, I turned it on to a level that I haven't ever in my career, uh, a lot of long, long days. And this was in the beginning when, I mean, I wasn't even producing half of what I do now. Um, and uh, I just, I actually, uh, I felt I mean, it sounds corny, but I did feel like it, this moment in humanity it was bigger than my job. Even you know, this was a plague that at the at the time you couldn't even like touch something without being worried you're going to go to the ICU. I mean, obviously, all that information has been clarified now. But and so I really felt like I didn't know what in a month it was going to be like. I hoped it would be a lot better than it was. I was afraid it was going to be a lot worse, and I just felt like the best thing to do was to give people the information that they could that they could use to sort of not necessarily feel comfortable, but feel a little bit more uh, stable in what was an environment where we really didn't know anything. Well, and, let's, uh, let's just tick off some of the things that you were, you were tracking and yeah. you, you were doing data reporting on. Go ahead. So <laughs> yeah, the beginning, at the beginning, um, basically what happened was uh, the uh, Michigan Department of Human Health and Services on their website put out a table that said, I think there's like two cases in Wayne County and one in Oakland. And at that moment, uh, I said, we, my, my editor said, we should make a map of this, you know, not thinking anything of it. Uh, and about two weeks later, I remember saying to her, I was like, I think this map's going to be a huge thing. We need to like focus on it. At the same time, they were also, and they don't do this anymore, unfortunately, they were releasing um, points of exposure, possible exposure in the state, like lat long at addresses. Uh, and I was cranking on that too, because the thought was, where did it start? And is it going to spread from this one spot or these two spots and this and that? And actually that particular map, which lasted about a month, was the most positive feedback I've ever gotten on anything in MLive. Um, people really appreciated that. Then the state stops reporting that for, I assume, safety reasons or accuracy. I don't know. They just, and we asked, we begged. Or because people are burning down their neighbor's houses. But, but I've, that's, you know, I mean, looking back now, it certainly would be in the realm of possibility. I never thought it would before, but, um, 
after this last year. But yeah, so they stopped doing that. So then at that point, it was just the state map. That was all the data they had. Every day they would send out county numbers. There was really no context, nothing. Um, and that's when people started coming at me the hardest uh, on the opposite side, the ones that uh, wanted to minimize the, the, the disease uh, or minimize or politicize it or whatever. They just, you can't do this because there's more people in Wayne County. So of course there's gonna be more cases and this and that. And it became clear that we needed testing data, we needed uh, per capita data. And so over the next couple months, me and Julie, we, we begged MDHHS for it. They eventually started to deliver on certain levels, never exactly what we wanted. Um, but, and as of today, I produced 10 daily uh, interactive elements, um, you know, three maps, uh, two county by county bar charts, a statewide testing chart, and then a, another testing chart of uh, by county numbers. Um, and that doesn't even count ad hoc stuff that comes up because we have a story that breaks yeah. or something new happens that we have to show a the, the data dimension to the exactly. story. Yeah. So you're, um, you're on deadline too. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, and what the beautiful thing is, is though, is we have been super proactive about it. And so, for example, when vaccines first hit, we were all over that data. And then it wasn't really, I mean, everybody said once the vaccines come, we can go back to normal, but there was a lot of uh, caveats, of course, as we know, you know, percentage of people va vaccinated, percentage completion, all that stuff. So when the, when the story really came to the forefront, which is like end of January, maybe February, we were ready and we had all that. People were used to what we were looking at. We kept updating it and enhancing it, breaking out the age groups. And so, I mean, I'm not, uh, trying to wander off here but i'm just saying like the whole, it's been a whole process we've constantly evolved and at this point i mean i feel like there's not a stone we haven't unturned the one the one hole i will always uh bemoan is hospitalizations but the data is just not super strong on that oh anymore. well that's the problem we were getting some information from the michigan department of health and human services some from the hospital association which exactly again the source of your data and the you know, becomes part of the issue too, because I see all the emails from readers who say, well, of course the hospital association would say that, you know, right. they, they want more money or they, it's, you know, and that this was a little frustrating because the people who are writing and saying, questioning the holes in the data or the questioning the, 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 the drawing, the, the conclusions we were drawing right. or, or the things we were comparing was it was a shifting it was we were on shifting sand and we, it was only as good as the source of the data number one number two you're talking about someone complaining about the dessert service on the titanic you know when they're trying to get people in lifeboats it was a disaster going on and it, it, journalists do the best they can in the fog yeah. you know of war when you're at the front line and I, I thought it was a real credit, but it, I, when people would complain, it was hard to argue with them that something could be missing or that, right? No, I mean, that's like, it was a, it was a painful experience to open up an email and have some dude basically trash me, which happened all the time. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, buddy. I'm doing the best I can to get what I can. They don't want to give it. I can't make it up. Well, you know, the thing is though, it's like if you are flying in the fog, and are you going to complain because one of your gauges isn't working right? Or are you going to use the ones you have? I mean, we had, you know, that you had said earlier that this information was in, was uh, data that people could use to make informed decisions for their own personal lifestyle, safety, health, family. Some is better than none and more yeah. is better than some. I, I think I'm live and you did a, a fantastic job, but we're always fighting this rear guard uh, movement with with the critics 
Yeah, and, well, everybody's a backseat driver, rear guard, the same thing, yeah. Well, a lot of them are coming from a point of view. Their point of view is that all the stores should be open. Nobody needs masks. The hospitals are lying. Right. You know, I, I, I prefer to deal in fact. Oh, well, that basically comes down to who are you going to put your blind trust in? Are you going to put it in this group of, you know, people? Or are you going to put it in this? Because the truth is, is that I don't even know for certain. I mean, I believe it and I have my faith in it, but who knows what's going on? But the bottom line is, is the data. And you mentioned something, by the way, that I think is important to the source. Uh, early on, uh, and I credit Shannon uh, Murphy for making this call, even though I agreed with it. We decided just to go from the state. I mean, for people that don't know, local county uh, departments are feeding the state every day mm -hmm. and they are aggregating it and churning out a report. Unfortunately, they had a, even the deadline at 10 a.m. for the state. And then so, and so that's the numbers of the day. And then at one o'clock, Washington, Washington County Health Department puts out a report that's updated and people are saying, why are you don't have this? Are you? But uh, we did that and we did it for two reasons. First of all, to make a consistent uh, place so you could always have the context of this is where it is. But then the other thing, and this is, you touched on this, is that we were not only saying, here's the state of Corona in Michigan, or, you know, but also here's the data that the governor and the health departments are using to make these policy decisions. So in addition to how bad is Corona, here's what she's looking at and saying. And, if, and there have been times when people would say, well, I see it here, but she said this, well, how does that, you know, and that's the kind of reporting that we're also doing. And I think that is a sort of a, underlying not so subtle but important factor of our reporting is that we're basically watching the, what the governor decides based on data she's saying she's looking at that we are interpreting at a better level in my opinion well me. one of the things i was really proud of that became consistent in MLI's coverage was how authoritative our statewide health reporters were able to write and make statements to say like there's seven myths about this here's why michigan is doing this and Ohio is not. Here's right. why, here's why, here's why, here's why. Became a trend with MLive's reporting, which I think is, you know, as some of the proudest moments I've had as leading a news organization. But that confidence came from information, from data, yeah. you know, and, and it started with your ability to, to parse that yeah. and to, to, see, to see the stories that were speaking to you from the data. I think that's fantastic. One, one anecdote, you could tell me if this is true or not. Mm -hmm. I heard that you took a vacation sometime in the past 14 months. Yeah. You went away for a week. Uh, I don't know why you would, you would leave us high and dry like that. I'll have to talk to you after the podcast. It but, was painful to do. Uh, but anyways, while you were gone, I'm told that an Indian tribe in northern Michigan contacted the editors and said, where's the, where's the charts? Yeah. <laughs> where's the information? Because they were using that to make decisions about, you know, public access to the casinos and, and the decisions they needed to make if, uh, for the public good. Is that by, true? That's not only is that true, but I took more than one vacation in the last 14 months. And each time I was gone, they were, they sent emails to me personally. The first time <laughs> they, they got the bounce back message the first time. So they panicked with Shannon. And there have been times when this is really getting in the weeds. Uh, it was Chippewa County and there's a, there's a prison and occasionally MDOT or, uh, or MDOC, excuse me, the corrections department would accidentally put their cases in Chippewa County's broader. Uh, and so, you know, Chippewa would average like three cases a day. And then one day they had 90 and they're panicking. They're saying, Scott, what's, you know, like, I, like I'm in charge of that. And so I was like, well, this is, you know, and then the next day they would correct. But uh, yeah, that did happen. And it, it happens a lot. And that's also a beautiful thing about uh, the statewide uh, uh, data approach is that even though we are definitely a statewide uh, news organization, we do have our core newspaper markets, 
but I get emails from Antrim County and um, all over the UP because people are going to their data, even though we're not, we don't have a reporter on the ground there and they're getting what they need. And that's, that's super cool. And so, yeah, that happens a lot. And that actually fuels me way more than uh, it, uh, it demoralizes me when I get someone calling me a moron <laughs> or enemy of the people or whatever. Enemy of the people. Well, that's a really good point too, is uh, MLive is statewide because I can tell you where our readers come from. I'll also tell you too, um, you should be proud of this, that on a per post basis, you're like our top selling subscription person. Well, <laughs> your, po your post, people are so, and here's, here's the, the whole basis of our subscription um, program. It's based on the idea that what we do journalistically has value in society and value in people's lives. They tell us when that is true by subscribing to, to our journalism. And so, you know, you should, you should sleep well at night knowing how important that the journalism is that you, you've been doing for the state. Also, you know, to your point, we have nine offices around the state where journalists work, but we don't have one in Traverse City. We've had a lot of people ask to go up there and work, but we don't, we don't have one there or the UP or, or even in Detroit. But this, the accessibility of data and our ability to, to access it and to tell stories with it does make it a state, MLive a statewide force. And so, yeah, and we went, you know, when we started to see the UP really get uh, rise in the rankings of uh, COVID infection rates, uh, this was about end of summer, uh, you know, we spotted that first through the data, and then we ended up sending reporters up there multiple, I think at least twice, to cover that scene. Um, you know, it's not that easy to sort of uh, recognize that uh, from down south if you're, if you don't have access to the data, you know, you can hear it anecdotally, but we were on top of it because the data cued us into something that was trending. How is, uh, you know, it looks like, you know, tantalizingly like life might come back to normal before I retire. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what have you learned from COVID? How has this changed your job in a way that's going to kind of go forward? What have you taken from this that's going to uh, affect the way you do your job going forward? Um, well, I, uh, yeah, I, it does appear that the, the surge is coming to an end for now i mean i said that last summer and uh, also over the holidays um as far as my job uh what one thing is done the the most positive thing that's come out of this whole year is that uh it's been clear across the board how important data visualization is um you know i'm on my own in mli but there's people in all markets i know like the major publications like the times and the washington post have re revamped their uh resources and also more, most importantly to me, I think it's become clear to all the reporters at MLive that um, if they have a story with data, maybe they, there are half of them used to consider me, maybe hopefully all of them will now because I do, I will, it will add value to their uh, story. And, um, you know, as long as I can keep existing in that world, I'm happy for as long as it takes. Um, you know, uh, I, I need to learn a lot more. You know, I come at this from a journalism background, so I'm telling a story with the visualization of the data. Uh, I definitely considered, uh, you know, getting some higher level schooling on actual data scientists or some other, you know, aspect of data visualization um, and just growing. I mean, you know, as software becomes easier to, to use, as more and more people pu push their data out publicly, um, I mean, I feel like the world's opened up for me, which is funny because I'm sort of in the second half of a career, I think. And uh, I had not foreseen this um, five years ago, but I'm, I'm you know, this is, you know, this is none of us could, you know, when you and I would sit in Ann Arbor and compare box scores, you know, mm -hmm. go through box scores. 
exactly. <laughs> eight years ago or 10 years ago, we didn't see this coming, but um, Scott, uh, all of us uh, were very grateful for what, not just you, you did during the pandemic, but what you've, what you've done to advance our journalism and our data, especially bringing the, the data to our readers and enhancing life for, for our readers as well. So, Well, I appreciate that, but I have to say, and this is not because you're the big boss, but uh, six years ago, you guys, you and Kelly took a chance on this position. It wasn't a mainstream position, but you did sort of see the inklings of the value and you offered it to me. And Kelly Frick said to me, as I thank you, said, all right, don't let me down. And I, <laughs> that's sort of echoes in my head. Uh, every time a major project comes up. And uh, so I'm glad that you guys see value in it and I hope to continue to provide it. Well, you know, you were like Lou Gehrig waiting on the bench behind Wally Pipp, you know? Exactly. <laughs> All of a sudden COVID hits and, and you're a Hall of Famer. So um, yeah. anyway, Scott, it's been a real pleasure. It's a great conversation today. Yeah, Appreciate you joining us Yeah, on Behind the Headlines and uh, I'll see you in the office soon, I hope. I hope so, John. It's been uh, good to see you here though. Thanks a lot for everything. And there they go. A huge thanks to Scott for joining the podcast. And as always, if you like what John and I are doing, like, subscribe, and share wherever you get this podcast. Till next week, I'm Eric Culcheran. He's John Heiner, and this is Behind the Headlines.